The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown in stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline, pylon, touchdown, and the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Join alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. What a weekend in college football it was. Week 10 is in the books. A couple of top five teams go down. The Pac-12 was back in action, and we are here to round it all up. Be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. And head on over to puntandpass.com for everything that you need in the world of college football. It's got our picks, it's got our blog, it's got our merchandise page, everywhere our podcast is distributed. And of course, our popular YouTube channel, puntandpass.com. Speaking of picks, Aaron, great weekend, buddy. Three and two. You're 23 and 22 on the season. Flip that for me. I was two and three. I'm 25 and 20 on the season. My lock hit Liberty plus 14 and a half. They nice. won outright against Virginia Tech. And look, you picked the under in the Clemson Notre Dame game. I don't think anybody guessed that 80 plus points were going to be tossed up in that one. We'll talk about the Notre Dame Clemson game. Of course, we'll talk about the new top five rankings that the AP and coaches poll put out yesterday. But let's start with what everybody wants to hear on punt and pass. And that, of course, is what happened down in Jacksonville. Number five, Georgia taking on number eight, Florida and Murray. I had a lot of conviction with my prediction. Um, I gave out a lot of statistics about Dan Mullen's not so successful record against Kirby Smart. And let me just tell you right now. I was spot on for about four minutes. Georgia raced out to a 14-0 lead. Then the floodgates opened, and it was a tough day to be a Bulldog fan. Yeah, I, you know, so we were getting ready for the game at 3.30, and um, little man needed to go to sleep, so I was like, I'll go take him up real quick. And, you know, he ended up needing his diaper changed and everything, and I was like, damn, I'm missing the being in the game. I come down at 7 nothing. I, I know. Like, Same thing I was happened like, how, to me. The hell, how the hell do we score? Like, what, what did I miss? I was like, damn it, Maddox. I missed the beginning of the game and then 14 nothing. And like you said, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like the fact that Georgia's up 14 nothing was, like I said, not expecting that at all. Um, and, and, you know, it was just the rest of the way was tough, man. It was, it was really a, it was a, a hard game to watch if you're a Georgia fan. I mean, I'm just, my phone was blown up the entire oh, yeah. time. Like, dude, could you have any more eligibility? We need a quarterback. Can you come be the quarterback coach? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, like, man, it, as, as a quarterback, as a former dog quarterback, to see us go 9 of 29 with three interceptions 
miss a ton of deep balls, um, drop some balls. I mean, there's some drops too, yeah. but just overall the quarterback position was horrendous to say the least. Just absolutely horrendous yeah. throughout that game. And, you know, good, good for Dan Mullen, man. I mean, for him to kind of get, I know he said after the game that, oh, there was no monkey that got off my back. And, you know, that was just a great victory. You know, he's feeling pretty good. No you know, question. he's you know, breathing a sigh of relief saying, okay, I finally got that off my back. I beat Georgia. I beat our number one rival. Uh, we're the number one team in the East. And, and you know, they look pretty darn good, you know. And, and obviously, Kyle Trask did his thing. Interception wasn't his fault. Stupid freshman receiver ran the wrong route. Uh, and, and Georgia took advantage of it. Good for them. But yeah. overall, man, Kyle Trask submitted himself as – you know, a top two, top three Heisman guy right now. There's no question. I mean, you mentioned Georgia's situation at quarterback, and for everybody who wanted to see somebody other than Stetson Bennett, maybe it's pretty clear and apparent now as to why Stetson's been the starter, all right? Stetson was 5 of 16 for 78 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and then he banged up his shoulder on a brutal sack, but it was also a great throw. I believe that was the touchdown pass to Rosamie yeah, Jack Saint. Then Dewan yeah. Mattis came in. He was 4 of 13 for 34 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. And one of the picks was late in the game, um, kind of a toss-up. Kyle Trask, on the other hand, I mean, come on now. 30 of 43, 474 yards, four touchdowns, and that one interception. He should have had two interceptions. There was an opportunity for a yep. pick six late in the game that really would have gave Georgia a shot in the arm to somehow, some way be able to make a comeback. Of course, that didn't happen, and that's exactly what it seemed like, Aaron. All day for Georgia was just missed opportunity after missed opportunity. And a couple of weeks ago, when Georgia lost to Alabama, you made it a point, Tavares King was on the podcast, and he made it a point, it seemed like the wide receivers were not doing their job, creating separation, giving Stetson the availability to deliver the ball downfield without having to put it in harm's way. I'll say this right now. Todd Munkin is not to blame. I thought what he did from a play-calling perspective, scheming to get guys open, was quite special. We know how bad Florida is, or not bad, but banged up on the back end of the defense. There were going to be opportunities there. Two, maybe three touchdown passes, not even in the vicinity of the wide receivers. I mean, you're talking six points, walking into the end zone, just put it in the basket, and you have an opportunity to continue the scoring with Florida – Man, that wasn't the case, and that's why I think so many fans are bummed out at the situation Georgia's quarterback. And look, Stetson, was he a walk-on? Yes. Did he come back after transferring and get a scholarship? Yes. Was he fifth on the depth chart heading into the season? Yes. All right? That's where Georgia is right now. What is the grand scheme of the situation at quarterback? Aaron, is it mismanagement? Is it bad luck? Keep in mind, Jake Fromm went pro. Jamie Newman transferred in. JT Daniels transferred in. Newman opts out. Daniels, who the hell knows what's going on? It's the biggest mystery of 2020. DeWan, it's just, it really is crazy. It's unfortunate. And let's just put it this way. You're not winning shit without a quarterback. No, they're really not. And, you know, uh, DeWan didn't play well when he came in. He looked like he was... Deer in headlights. uh, Just not very confident, I'll say that. He just was not very confident there. And, you know, it's tough to be confident when you come into a ball game down 21 points. So of course. You know, here, here, here's the ball, buddy. Go out there and find a way to get us back in this football yes. game. So, so he's put in a, in a tough situation, but he didn't play well at all. And, you know, he just, like I said, he just, you could feel that he wasn't confident in the system. And I agree, I man, you're not going to hit every big, every deep throw. 
I mean, if you go out there and throw deep balls, you know, post route school balls five, six times in the game, you're, you're lucky if you hit 33% of it. You're lucky if you hit two of them. And Georgia had guys wide open and should have at least hit one or two of those. And those are game-changing plays. And, and you said it best, Drew. Florida made those plays. Georgia didn't make it, whether it was uh, an opportunity to get on a pick six late, post routes on the field that were missed. I mean, it's just great teams make those plays. Great teams find ways to win. Not great teams find ways to lose yeah. and not make those plays. And, and right now, we knew Georgia was going to play their best game uh, to win this football game. They did early. Uh, and it doesn't help that the defense is just so banged up. And and, and just the the plays out of the backfield were Florida were, were the, the best thing to me. They ran a lot of scat protection where the back was free releasing, five-man pro. And Georgia wasn't able to put pressure on Trask. And you're able to get a fifth receiver out there from the running back position. Those running backs just had a tremendous day for Florida catching the ball in the backfield. I mean, Malik Davis had 100 yards, five catches. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle Pitts only had two catches, but he had two pretty damn good catches. Oh, I my mean, God. Up, He's a beast. You know, where Kirby's flying in the air in the backdrop, and, uh, and that kid is so damn special. And, you know, who knows what the score would have been if he would have been able to play in the second half. But, you know, this is let's give Florida credit, man. This is a good football team. And, and the more you watch A&M and, and the fact that A&M just absolutely stomped South Carolina this year, um, you know, this past weekend, that loss at AM doesn't look as bad all of a sudden for Florida. Yeah. You know, saying, okay, well, maybe AM's pretty legit. Maybe this is an AM team that, as we discussed last week, really does have a chance to maybe sneak their way into the playoffs. A little bit harder because one of the scenarios that needed to happen was Notre Dame to lose this weekend. Yeah. Didn't happen. Uh, but still, man, that's a, it, it is a good AM team that you lost to. Um, so, I mean, props to Florida, man. They, they're, they're doing their thing. And, and like I said, the way Kyle Trask is playing right now, you know, it's going to be, as of right now, you can say it's going to be Kyle Trask Justin versus Fields Mac Jones and Mac for the Jones. Heisman of the season. What about Justin Fields? I just don't know if Justin Fields has enough games. Yeah. I really don't. Um, you know, and, and you look at that conference right now, too. I don't know if he's going to get enough big games because, I mean, Michigan sucks. So that big rivalry game's down the drain. Yeah. Um, God, I can't believe they got their ass whooped by Indiana. Oh, so it's crazy. It, I, I said all coaches get a free pass, but the fact that you lost to Indiana, Michigan did. Yeah. I don't know if Jim Harbaugh is going to get a free pass after this year. I really don't. No, he's going to go back to the NFL. Some decision is going to be made either from his part or for, for from Michigan about moving into a new direction this year because that's pretty embarrassing. And you know, based on that schedule, there's probably another two or three losses on there for Michigan, which is just completely unacceptable. Oh, yeah. So um, Florida's a good football team. I'll leave it at that. And like I said, I think it is Kyle Trask versus Mac Jones. Winner of that SEC championship game most likely is in the playoffs. Yeah. And most likely is going to win a national champ or win a not national win a Heisman. Yeah. Yeah. No, right. I mean, you bring up a great point. That will be a fireworks type game. Obviously, Florida would just have to have a completely disastrous rest of the season. Not going to happen. They're going yeah. to Atlanta. Alabama's the cream of the crop. They're going to beat LSU by about 40 points this weekend. Alabama's a new number one ranked team in the nation. Notre Dame, number two after dethroning Clemson. This past weekend, Ohio State sitting in at number three, Clemson four, AM five, Florida six. I want to ask a question to you. This comes from Jake Story. Jake sent it into puntandpass.com. He says he's a huge Georgia fan. He's been listening to Punt and Pass since 2017. My man. He said, Aaron, you talked about how good Carson Beck was in one of the preseason scrimmages based off what we've seen on the field. Should he not be a factor in the QB race? And then he also adds, not only did Kirby choose from over fields, but he chose Stetson and Dewan over John Rice Plumley when he wanted a gray shirt Plumley. I feel like both were disastrous decisions. Let me just take the second one first. All right, 
choosing from over fields guys jake from was coming off one a national championship appearance two winning the east should have been sc should have been sec champions again against alabama they completely messed that up you don't just dethrone a guy and hand the keys over to another quarterback justin fields left because of the situation was jake from was the starter like yep. it or not. Now, the Stetton-Dewan thing, John Rice Plumley. look, Rice Plumley was committed to Georgia for a long time. I don't know what happened there, but you got to play with the hands that you're dealt. Going back to the first question, Aaron, Carson Beck is there. I mean, it seems like the time to burn all the ships in that quarterback room. See what you got. Uh, I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule. I mean, at Missouri this weekend, you know you know my uh, love for, for Connor the quarterback over there, Carson. Um, so, I mean, that's... That could possibly be a good game. But, yeah, Georgia is favored the rest of the way, especially look at the last three games. I mean, Mississippi State's crap. South Carolina was atrocious this past weekend. Uh, and Vanderbilt is, um, I mean, holy smokes, they're bad. <laughs> they're so, bad. I mean, if there was a time to start, you know, thinking about what what do we want to do for next year, you know, I wouldn't be mad about the situation. Like, I, I To me, when I, I said it after the – after the scrimmage, I mean, the guy that really stood out to me the most in the scrimmage was Carson Beck. And I, I preface this with saying – he was also going against the number two defense. Yes. So that to me, it's hard to judge a quarterback going against the number two defense. It usually because the number two offense is usually better than number two defense because you got more receivers against lesser DBs. I like that matchup every single time. Um, and speaking of number two receivers, can we stop throwing Matt Landers the football? I mean, I am so sick of us throwing the football to him. I've never seen the kid make a catch yeah. ever. I mean, yeah. they throw deep balls at their deep balls and you know, blame the quarterbacks for being a little inaccurate. The kid has no second gear. He is one gear the entire time. Receivers, great receivers, when the ball's in the air, you see their speed pick up. Yes. They see they it, go they get track it. it, and they're like, let's go get money. Yeah. And they go and make the play. He doesn't do that. He's running, and there's just, like I said, there's no oomph to it at all. Yeah. Just enough's enough. We've tried yeah. to get him the football. And I just, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't remember the last time I've seen him catch a football. <laughs> and I it just eventually have to say, maybe this guy's just not the real deal. So let's move on from him and be done with it. But yes, um, I thought he was the best quarterback in the, in the practice. And, you know, the good thing is too, with the rules this year, he wouldn't lose his freshman year. So you play him, yep. you play him four games, yeah. five games, whatever it is, he's still a freshman next season. So that's, that is one benefit going forward. But I do think you move on from Stetson regardless. Yeah. I think it's time to move on from Setson and either say we're going to see we're going to give Dwan a true opportunity and give him a, two games and just say listen we're going to give you two games yeah we're going to see how you do we're going to see if you can get better from week one to week two or game one to game two and if not then we're going to give Carson an opportunity to go out there and play I think you got to start figuring out who your team is going to be for the future right now. Um, and and I, I just I, I think those I think I said I think Stetson is not the future, so I just think you got to move on. And look, we we've heard all the rumors about JT Daniels. I said it in the show open. It is quite possibly the biggest mystery of the year 2020, yep. and that is saying a lot. You know he's medically cleared. That's what Georgia tells you. He dresses out on game day. He's got no brace on his knee. Yet they don't even think about putting him in the game. This dude mm-hmm. threw for over 2,000 yards at USC as a true freshman. He's got five-star talent. No idea what is happening with the JT Daniels saga. Will he get in? I don't know. If you go to the message boards, you see that his family doctor hasn't cleared him. I have no idea. If you know, tweet it at me, at Drew Butler, at Aaron Murray 11 at Punt and Pass. But this is what I was thinking, okay? And I will give Kirby credit for one thing. 
He is loyal almost to a fault with his quarterbacks, and I'm fine with that. He did it with Jake Fromm. I think that paid off. I think any Georgia fan would sit there and tell you we would love to have Jake Fromm this year. Georgia would be a better football team with Jake Fromm in 2020. There is no doubt about that, all right? Now, was Kirby expecting Newman to opt out two weeks before the season? Um, Probably not. Should have Kirby has said, name you the starter, like reportedly Newman wanted? I have heard, Aaron, you might have heard as well, that after one of those scrimmages, Jamie Newman said to Kirby Smart, I want you to publicly name me the starter. Kirby said, no, that's not how we do it around here. Boom, Newman opted out. Now they're left scrambling. JT Daniels, not cleared. Is he cleared? Bottom line is he's not playing, and you got these guys who had never played meaningful snaps in the college football game, and you're trying to go win a championship. With all of that said, and tell me if I'm wrong, Aaron, I'm sitting there going, what is Georgia doing? How do you get better in a quick way? Obviously, 2021, with the uh, with a microscope on 2021. I think, and I would have hoped, that Kirby called Brock Vandegrift on Saturday night and said, buddy, you're my guy. You're starting in 2021. We're going to build the entire program around you. Coach Munkin loves what you can do. We are going to build this thing around you. Brock Vandegrift, number one rated quarterback, five-star, the sixth overall recruit in America. Give this dude the damn keys to the car and just say, guys, like it or not, here's our five-star, and we're riding this horse. Do you think that's what happened? Am I wrong in my thought process there, Aaron? Something's got to change. We need to get Georgia needs a legit five-star quarterback, and we've had him there in the past, and and they just haven't hung around. They, they, they really do. And, and, and you know, I, I, that's it is the missing piece right now when you watch this football team. And, you know, I'll still go to my grave saying it. that They're still not elite around the quarterback position either, which doesn't help. It doesn't help mask some of the issues back there. Um, so they, they need a lot um, of guys to really transform this offense. But, you know, I, I, I would not make that call and, and just give the keys to the car uh, of the car to the kid just yet. You know, he has to go in there and, you know, I'm sure he's a mid-year guy and he'll show up in January and, you know, have to go out there and earn it and deserve it. But I'm sure he's going to get every opportunity. That's the, that's the thing. You know, I'm sure he's, like I said, he's not going to be given the keys. He's going to be told that you have to go win it, uh, but he's going to be given a chance. And, and that's the one thing. That's all you can ask for, for a young kid is give me a chance, give me some reps for the ones. And you go back and watch the way Kirby, handles practice and then in the spring and even in fall camp, you know, those dudes are getting a million reps and he's rotating guys with different groups. Quarterbacks are going from seven on seven to 11 on 11 to one-on-ones. I mean, it's just, it's a carousel and it's, it's amazing to see because, you know, when we were there, it was like, all right, we're doing one-on-ones. The whole team's over here and you take, you know, two reps and the next guy, two reps, the next guy, two reps. Okay. That period's over. Let's go to the next thing. Seven on seven, two reps, two reps. It's not like that. Like I said, you're a quarterback. You've been doing one-on-ones. You can get 10 throws in, Go to seven on seven, get another 10 reps in. Go to 11 on 11, get another 10 reps in. So all these quarterbacks are going to benefit from spring ball. Carson, Brock, these two young guys, Dwan. I mm-hmm. mean, they just need reps in this offense to get comfortable. I mean, that's one thing they did not get in spring. They didn't yeah. really get in fall camp. So I, I do look for increase in production for the quarterback position in 2021 based on just more opportunities for these guys to go out there and get some more live reps in this offense and, you know, hopefully grow that, that receiver room and, and in the tight end room as well. I mean, it's just so hard to watch some of these games and see the elite tight end position and those guys being able to get schemed up and make plays and just like, man, why can't we get uh, a tight end that can do that? Because it is such 
it's it's terrible. It, it's tough for defenders to handle a guy like Pitts. You're totally right. Um, and and Georgia did handle him. I mean, dirty or not, I don't think it was malicious. It was just an absolutely brutal collision. Lewis seen. I mean, they both knocked each other out. I mean, Lewis seen knocked himself out. Kyle Pitts, obviously, I don't think he knew where he was. That was a fast, heavy duty collision. I hope he's okay. I hope he continues to play because that dude is a baller. I hope Lewis seen is okay as well. David Green, a longtime listener of the podcast, at Dave Green 11 on Twitter. He just had a quick follow-up question. He says, we opened the game in a two-running-back formation, scored a 75-yard touchdown run with Zemir White, and didn't enter that formation again. Any reason why, Aaron? I mean, I think Georgia was just trying to figure out anything that could work after a 14-0 start. Somebody texted me and said, this is the worst way Georgia could have started the game. Now they're going to take their foot off the gas. I go, no. The worst way they could have started the game was being down 14 nothing because then you would have lost 65 to nothing. I mean, this team's not built to come back. Uh, but, yes. Well, let's, let's talk about the defense, too. I mean, you know, listen, this is – we were touting this as the best defense in the country yeah. all season, and they've had two opportunities. They're banged up. Get, they are this banged game up. they were. They've, they've had two opportunities against elite offenses, yep. and they haven't shown up to yep. the ballpark. You know, even go back last year to LSU, they had an opportunity against an elite offense. They didn't show up, and LSU just steamrolled them. I mean, that's the best – one of the best offenses I've ever seen in my lifetime. But still, the defense, if you're going to consider yourself elite, if you're going to consider yourself the best – you got to play better against the big boys. And and you said it. I know they're banged up, but still, you got to make some more plays. You got to be able to hold them. You got to be able to match up better on the outside. But I mean, that still goes to my, you know, our point we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now is elite offenses are just better than elite. Yeah. They just yeah. are. They have the upper hand. Um, and I just don't know when defenses are going to catch up because these schemes and the skill players, the pace that these offenses are running, to me right now is just too much. I mean, I, I just. I don't even know who's left. I mean, because Clemson's not left. You know, Clemson's played – I mean, the same thing. They're a little bit banged up defensively, but they got depth, and they've looked like crap the past two weeks. Yep. Boston College is not an offensive juggernaut, yep. and Notre Dame is not an offensive juggernaut. And the fact that they give up that many points to those two teams back-to-back, Georgia's given up points against uh, – you know, a ton of points against elite offenses. Who is good on defense this year? I, I really agree with don't you. Know. It's just going to be what offense is better. Is that the team that you feel like is going to win the football game? That's it. Because defense is just they're just outmatched at the moment. Gary Danielson said it repeatedly during the telecast. If you want to compete for a championship, forty points has to be a baseline for your success yep. in a game. He's like, you have to score forty. You have to. Yep. The game has changed. Saban obviously evolved. Mullen is what he is, and he had great success this past weekend against Georgia. Again, hat tip to him. I was dead ass wrong, and he finally got that monkey off his back. Well, and, LSU a and, year and ago, Ohio job. State. You know, you- and saying it too. Yeah. Georgia can't score over 30 points against elite teams. Yeah. They can't. No, that, they can't. That, they haven't. They can't get to 40 because they can't even get to 30. You know, that, that this team is capped out around 20. I mean, what I say last week in the show, I said, if Georgia has to score 30 points, they're not going to win yeah. this football. Yeah. They can't do it. That's not who they are. So, you know, 48. <laughs> And they got their butt kicked. Yeah, I'm just glad Florida called off the dogs. I posted that video right before halftime when Kyle Trask was seen on the sideline saying, yeah. we're about to F and score 100 on these guys. I was like, uh, That's yikes. That's a good feeling as a quarterback. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, 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 I was I think like, I, uh-oh. I think I've said that a million times, and that's just like, <laughs> you, can't, you can't be touched. Uh, these can't stop you. Uh, it, it is a good feeling, and, and lucky for him, I'm sure he's going to have that feeling for the rest of the season. Yeah, no doubt. And one last thing before we get into this Clemson-Notre Dame game. Tell me if you know what school this guy is a fan of. 
His name's Joe Murphy. He wrote into puntandpass.com and said, Drew, you're right that the dogs jumped all over the Gators and got off to a fast start, 14 to nothing, in the first couple of minutes. Then the Gators awoke and totally dominated the game, outscored the dogs 44 to 14 with the defense shutting down the dogs' offense, dominating the number one defense with Kyle Trask, who torched them for over 400 yards, and then not playing most of the game without his best tight end due to a targeting hit. Not sure how they shut down the dogs. QBs only allowed nine catches, blah, 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 blah. Hope you enjoy the SEC championship game with Alabama and Florida playing. You're right, man. I was wrong. Florida with a huge win, 44 to 28 over Georgia. We'll be really interested to see how the quarterback situation evolves with now a schedule that is much, much nicer for Georgia. So we'll see how they react. Well, listen, Missouri is not terrible on defense. No, I know. You got to get going, man. And I don't know what the weather is going to be like in Missouri this weekend. But look, Stetson, if he plays and it's cold out and windy, I mean, watch out. I'm just saying. Watch out. All right. Notre Dame beat Clemson in two overtimes. 47-40, to of course. No Trevor Lawrence. Clemson's defense banged up. Clemson came back from down 13, Aaron, and then gave up that touchdown late to Notre Dame. I thought they were going to win and cover. Ian Book, man, stud. I mean, I wish that that stadium could have been filled to the brim because, man, that was – I mean, it really was an all-time college football game, number one versus number four in Notre Dame. I mean, winning a game that matters. Again, I was wrong on this one as well. Brian Kelly, a huge win for Notre Dame. And, of course, they're probably going to play each other again in the ACC championship game. And that – okay, you're going to have Alabama-Florida most likely – and then Notre Dame Clemson Conference Championship weekend, dude, giddy up! That will be awesome yeah. football. That's the college awesome. football playoff right there. You know, and even if, you know, even if Notre Dame loses to to Clemson in that game, I think Notre Dame is almost locked themselves in. I mean, oh, they still got some competition, and they got at, at BC this weekend. You know, you just come off a, a, a rivalry game, double overtime game versus Clemson. You put everything you had into it. You know, Boston College gave Clemson everything they had two weeks ago. So you know, don't look past BC this weekend. Uh, and then at UNC after that. So these next two games are going to be really telling for Notre Dame this season. I think if they're able to get through those two, regardless of what happens in the ACC championship game, I think I think they're in. Um, like I said, unfortunate for a couple other teams in the country right now. And I mean, it's still four weeks ago, so you don't yeah. know. But A&M obviously was really rooting hard, and so was Cincinnati for Clemson to win that football game because then all of a sudden you think Notre Dame's definitely out of it. Yep. Uh, that, that four spot starts to look a bit sweeter for those teams looking in, but I mean, tremendous football game. Um, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong or not, but every time I feel like I watch Clemson, you know, and I love ETN. I think ETN is, is incredible. What he's been able to do in his career is just stupid, but does he fumble the ball a lot? I feel like he's, I feel like there, there's a lot of, you know, moments where he's just dropping the football, go back to BC game. Yeah. I've seen too many times where he's coughing the ball up and obviously gave a costly, costly one up early in that game which turned into a, a touchdown for Boston College. So I think it's yeah. I think it's the style in which he runs the football, yeah. Aaron. Because he runs upright, but he has a lot of shifts with his upper body. Maybe that causes the ball to be it a just bit goes, more loose. It gets off his, it gets off his body a yes. little bit with some separation. Yeah, and Clemson had a 98.5% win probability with one minute and 48 seconds left in the fourth quarter. They were up 33-26. to 26. Will Spires, the punter, downed one at the Notre Dame nine-yard line, and Ian Book just said, watch me do my thing. And they went down the field, drove, scored a touchdown with 20 seconds left, and then continued to keep it going 
in overtime. Notre Dame's defense is good, though. I mean, I know they gave up 40 points or 33 in regulation, but ETN, 18 carries for 28 yards. I mean, wow, that's the difference right there. So like you said, Notre Dame is primed, primed for a college football playoff spot, regardless of what happens, most likely in the ACC championship game. But Clemson turned the ball over three times. That's tough to beat, especially when you are going up against a top-five team without your starting quarterback. DJ Uyunglele, though, 29-44, 439, two touchdowns, ho-hum. That dude's a stud. That guy's, yep. that guy's a stud. A very good football player. So Clemson gets knocked back to number four. It's the first time they've lost a regular season game in, what, two and a half years, three years, something like that? Pretty interesting. What's their um, schedule the rest of the way? Clemson's schedule the rest of the way is probably cake. Florida State, Pittsburgh, Pitt. Virginia Tech. I so, mean, come on. You know, at the end of the day, this hurts. It sucks. You're losing that. You're, you, you know, you're, you're losing the opportunity to be the number one team heading into the playoffs. Yeah. But you know what? Trevor's back this week, and DJ has played valiantly. But you know, Trevor's on a different level. Tre- Trevor right now is going to be the first pick in the draft. DJ potentially could be the first pick in the draft, but. I just think the offense changes a little bit. The excitement on that football team changes when Trevor's yeah. out there. And plus, they're a little bit banged up, just like Georgia defensively. They get those guys back. I still think when this thing is rematched, uh, I think I, I getting a little bit of revenge heading into the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be an awesome conference championship weekend. Like you said, it's crazy to think that there's only four weeks of college football regulation left. You look at the calendar, shit, it's November 9th. I mean, this yeah. is flown by. It's crazy. Good to see the Pac-12 back in action. I thought my pick in the Pac-12, it should have happened. I said Arizona State could yep. beat USC. Of course, they covered. That was a fun game to watch. Crazy that they kicked off at 9 a.m. West Coast time. Michigan. I like that, though. It sucks for the kids, but, I mean, it's good exposure for that conference. No doubt. You I know, thought it was great exposure. Obviously, there was no SEC game at noon. So, I mean, that was the game I was really watching because yeah. I wanted to see USC this offense. Um, I wanted to see just, you know, what the Pac-12 was going to look like, especially with a team like USC who's projected to, you know, be a top two team there. I mean, do they have a chance to make the playoffs? And I thought it was a great game, but like I said, it's so much better watching those teams at noon yes. compared to, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night when you're drunk and tired and just want to go to sleep at yeah. that point. You're exhausted from football all day. No, you're totally right. Texas A&M slaughtered South Carolina 48 to three. Oregon took care of Stanford 35 to 14. Michigan. Wake up. I mean, Harbaugh's oh. going to the NFL. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, they cannot absolutely. They cannot stand um, that type of scrutiny for another season. And like you said, Aaron, they're going to have to create the exit in such a way to where Harbaugh will forego some of his buyout by taking an NFL gig. Uh, he's better there. He's better there. I mean, look what he did. Two two NFC championship games in a, in a – um, and a Super Bowl appearance with the 49ers. I mean, they got embarrassed by Indiana. I mean, embarrassed. I mean, they, listen, they, losing is one thing, but to get your just absolute butt spanked 38 to 21, mm. um, that's just, and that's just, that's, that's no bueno. If I'm a Michigan fan, man, I'm, I'm starting to petition now to get his butt out of here. All right. What do you think about Harbaugh to the Chicago Bears? Get Matt Nagy out of there. Harbaugh. No. Yes, Matt dude. Okay. Hold on one second. Now, I know Matt Nagy was your coach in the NFL, but let me just tell you one thing. All right. Everybody bitches and complains about the Chicago Bears quarterbacks. There's one common denominator with bad quarterback play in Chicago, and it's the coach. 
Matt Nagy. Come we talk, when's on. the last time Chicago had a good quarterback? That's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, Jay Nagy Cutler at least had some Matt, sort of success Matt with Nagy's Mark Tressman. been there for three years. So, I mean, you can't always say it's, it, this guy's problem. He hasn't been there that long. So, you know, simmer down. Why don't you go play for the Chicago Bears? I'm I'm all I'm doing is playing golf, and I actually played really well this week. I feel pretty damn good right, right now. I love it. I love it. Oh well, what a weekend it was, and we appreciate everybody tuning in to Punt and Pass to stay up to date with what's going on. I'm sorry that I was so wrong in my prediction, but you know what? We live to see another day. We still will bring you the best college football podcast week in week out throughout this entire 2020 season. So. For Aaron, follow him on Twitter and Instagram at AaronMurray11. I'm Drew at Drew Butler on Twitter and Instagram, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram, and we will talk to you later on this week. See you.